Interior HVAC Studio. This is KCNS FM Colville. KCNS AM Salt Lake City. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great. Hour two of the program begins right now. Lundy, you mentioned earlier in the show you wanted to talk a little about BYU. You wanted to pick my brain on a topic. So where are we going? So this is something that I've been thinking about basically since the college football realignment issue started. Fair. And it, you know, kind of got resurfaced in my brain with the latest re- report that the Big 12 is looking at adding BYU. Okay. And... You being the BYU expert, you know, locked on Cougars, mm-hmm. you know, you're pretty well connected. I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, speaking just, just from a football perspective, if, if the Big 12 calls BYU, should BYU pick up the phone? Yes, they should. They Even should. Even with all of the, the, inst- the instability and all of the question marks and things around it. My father, to his everlasting credit, instilled one thing. He's instilled multiple things in my life. But he said, you never turn down a conversation. Like you okay. Just, you, you, you sit down. You see where they're at. There, there's no obligation for you yeah. to be like, well, you make a decision right now. It's like, no, I'd be dumb to make that decision right now. Yeah. But you do take the phone call. Okay. That, you, that's fair. You sit down with them. And you see what's going on. You hear them out, obviously. And. This may have happened already. Who knows? But the, the report out there, by the way, for those of you who may not have heard, uh, The Athletic yesterday, I believe it was Andy Staples and Max Olson, said that the, the so the Big 12 has a four-person subcommittee. It's two university presidents and chancellors and then two athletic directors who have been commissioned to look into expansion now because they're losing Oklahoma and Texas. They're down to eight teams. They need to see what their future holds for them. They were reportedly meeting yesterday. But they already, according to what the Athletics said, have already looked into and discussed BYU. It was like the one team that they've already looked into. I think the thing with BYU is, and the reason why they probably already had talked about them, is because BYU is ready to jump in. They're an independent in football. They can just say, great, let's do it. And they, can, they don't have to negotiate a buyout with a the conference they might be in. Let's say UCF, Cincinnati, Boise State, Memphis, any of these rumored expansion targets. They're all in a conference. They all have grant of rights that's similar to what Oklahoma and Texas both have to now negotiate themselves out of. They have to do that. BYU, they're turnkey. Mm-hmm. When do you want us to show up? Let's do this thing. That, that, that is what BYU's appeal is. The other appeal for BYU in this is they open up that late-night window on TV. Right. And, you know, that athletic article, it covered a lot of the TV ratings, you mm-hmm. know, and why BYU would be good for the Big 12. And looking at that, you know, like one of the things that I've thought – you know, just from a football perspective, I'm not sure that if I'm BYU, I would want to go. Well, okay, and, and th- that debate has raged on social media over the past 24 hours. And there's absolutely that concern if you're BYU is why are we locking ourselves in with these eight programs, none of which necessarily have a national cachet? Like, right. honestly, what's the biggest brand of those eight in your opinion? Right. And, well, like, you know, you look at the, the numbers that the Athletic put out, and they were – they were making using those numbers to make the case that 
they should absolutely go out, you know, go after BYU. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, if I'm BYU and I see these figures, I'm going, why should I split my revenue with these teams? Because well, you can take those and yeah. then try to renegotiate a better deal for you as an independent. Because they said, okay, if we take Texas and Oklahoma out of the situation sure. on the big-time national networks, ABC, Fox, ESPN, mm -hmm. BYU was just slightly behind those big 12 teams in the ratings. And when you take it down a tier and it's the ESPN 2s, ESPN U, Fox Sports 1, those kinds of things, BYU actually had better ratings than any of those remaining big 12 teams. Uh, there, there is absolutely that, that question needs to be answered by BYU, and I can guarantee you this: we will not hear much of anything about that from BYU's perspective right. in terms of them actually speaking on the record. There will probably be rumors out there about it. There's still a long way to go on that front. The, the one thing I look at, if you're BYU, is that they're estimating that the Big 12 is not going to be as valuable in terms of where they're at without Texas and Oklahoma. That's right. easy so to no, say, no question. But if if the if this whatever this uh, revamped Big 12 is, if they can net themselves 15, 20, 25 million dollars a school, well, according to that, that athletic article, BYU's ESPN deal is currently worth six to ten million dollars, and that's in the range of what I have heard in talking with people about that. If you're BYU, you absolutely have that conversation. If you can guarantee yourself to double or triple your money, that's a conversation worth having. Mm -hmm. The thing with BYU is there are, there's issues with the LGBTQ situation currently that right. they would have to – and trust me, the Big 12 had issues with that last time. That, that's kind of the impetus of why most people say that the Big 12 decided, you know what, we're not doing this because there was concern with that. I think the Big 12 is desperate enough at this point, honestly, to, that, that that maybe is a non-issue at this, at this juncture. The other issue is BYU and Sunday play. Are they going to go football only, or are they going all sports? That's a question. Yeah. BYU is more than content to leave their other sports in the West Coast Conference, if need be, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But trust me, if, if you want one of the premier basketball conferences oh, yeah, in the country, no. you add Houston, you add, uh, let's see, who are, we talking, who are we talking about? UCF, okay, you whatever. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Memphis with Penny Hardaway and Imani, Imani Bates. Is it Imani, Imani Bates? Five-star talent, like the top prospect over the last two recruiting cycles he's going to memphis you'd make a premier basketball conference yeah and you know if byu is looking at and the byu by the way would compete in that they'd be right they'd be right there with mark pope would have no reason to leave because now he's in the big time in college hoop. yeah and you know from an all sports perspective mm -hmm. like byu i would absolutely make that move west sure. coast conference to the big 12 yeah right like no hesitation but from a football perspective that's where i have the the hesitation to go well is an unstable conference you know with an unclear future not a lot of really big brands left mm -hmm. is that really better than independence well that that's an interesting thing because there was a certain talk that was given earlier this week that in that talk it wasn't ex explicitly about sports and athletics but Jeffrey R. Holland, who, by the way, is a former BYU university like, president of BYU. He mm -hmm. spent a decade there as the university president. He essentially said in this talk that BYU at some point as a university has to be willing to give up relationships, uh, affiliations, all that type of stuff. And some people extrapolated that to mean they're more than content to be an independent. There is advantages to being an independent for BYU. I can cite very two clear ones. Last year, BYU, before the Pac-12 and the Mountain West came to their senses and said, oh, hey, we're actually going to play football again, 
Do you know the closest team to BYU before that went down in terms of a football playing school was and how close they were? Like the closest to BYU. It's a school we've talked about already on today's show, if that helps you at all. Is it one of the, like, the Texas-Oklahoma schools somewhere around there? It's UTEP. UTEP. In El Paso. They were over 1,000 miles away from BYU. They were literally on an island. They had no hesitation saying, we are going to do everything within our power to play football. And BYU benefited from the fact that they stuck with that. Yeah. There are advantages to being an independent because you call your own shots. You are not tethered to X number of other schools and a commissioner of a conference. You make your decisions. You are in the master of your fate. And there are major advantages to that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's kind of just the internal debate I've been having since this news came out because it's like, obviously, your other schools, you know, and in my mind, I think that, I mean, this would never happen. This mm -hmm. is not an offer that would come. But, if you know, from a BYU-only perspective, the best possible scenario in my mind would be to move all of your non-football sports to the Big 12. Oh, absolutely. And football stay independent. That's not an offer that they're going to no. get. But if they could somehow swing that. Oh, yeah, you'd do like, that in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the no-brainer where you, you just, obviously, yes, let's do it. It's going to be very interesting to see what the future holds for BYU. But as I said earlier on in today's show, I think we're going to have much more clarity by the end of this football season. So by December, yeah. I believe we will have a lot more clarity on what the Big 12's plans are, when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. I, I think that's all going to come. I may be wrong about that, but that's just my personal opinion on what happens there. So it, it, it's it, it's a very interesting debate, Lenny, that you bring up. because It is my personal opinion. Yeah, there you go. It is my personal <laughs> opinion. Well done, Eric. But it, it's truly, it, it is an advantage for BYU to remain independent and keep themselves, yeah, keep themselves free and do the things that they feel like is in their best interest. But they will obviously have to cr cross that bridge when they get to it. So it's very, very interesting. All right. Let's get to an interview here. I had a chance to catch up with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk earlier this week. Actually, it might have been late last week. Nonetheless, uh, some BYU, some interesting stuff here on BYU's offensive line. He comes in. This is his first year with the program. He is trying to rebuild this offensive line. They lost four guys to the pro ranks from last year's squad, and they had a very good offensive line a year ago. What does he make of the guys he has in his position group currently? Well, here you go. Daryl Funk with myself right here on the Saturday Show. Coach Funk, how are you, sir? Great, great. How are you today? I'm not too bad. Thanks for taking some time first off, but wanted to kind of get your assessment as we are, I'd say, the midway point of fall camp. Obviously, you guys are looking forward to the season, but how are things going so far in your opinion? You know, they're going well. Um, kids are working hard, and we're, uh, you know, we're still in the mode where we're mixing and matching different lineups and guys playing cross positions and doing some learning that way but we've got uh you know we've come a long way and in, in, in building building depth which is obviously you know what you always want to do every year but we definitely need to do that this year and kids have responded they've, they've bought in and you know we take the field these kids go hard and play hard and they're into it so uh things are, are going well wanted to ask about some individual players here and we'll start off with your senior center and james empey Obviously, you came in. He, he has been at BYU for a, for a while now, but how has he improved in the time that you've been at BYU? Is there any specific area? Well, you know, every player's got their laundry list, uh, you know, in terms of things they want to improve in the offseason or spring ball and ultimately fall camp. And James is no different. And he's uh, he obviously has a grasp on, on what we're doing and all that stuff. But uh, but there are some things, and he, he had a list to me in the spring. Hey, I want to do this, I want to do this, and we've worked on that. He's 
he's improved because he's one of those kids that even though he's played a lot of football, started a lot of games, all that stuff, uh, he knows he needs to get better at some things. And he's got uh, – so he's he's worked at it. I'm happy with James. You know, you kind of just count on the, the leadership and him knowing what to do. But but also he, he knows he's not perfect. And, you know, he's been corrected on some things. And, you know, uh, you know call out guys, so to speak. But at times, I mean, just because he started 36, 37 games, whatever it is, you know, if he's got a minus cost us to play, it's right there for everyone to see, and we all learn from it. So he's been great. I'm really, I'm really happy with his progress. Clark Barrington kind of steps into a little bit of a leadership role on this team. He was kind of the young guy on that offensive line for the past two years. What have you seen from him? Is he still sticking at left guard, it looks like? Yeah, yeah, that's where he's been playing mostly. And, you know, Clark, uh, again, um, just a, a great kid, um, knows what he needs to improve on, very into the game, very tough kid, uh, loves to play. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's working on taking a step forward on some things because, uh, you know, and, and, and we sprinkle in, you know, when we watch tape different things, obviously watching practice tape, but we, we look at stuff uh, from last year, from spring, different things, just to make sure we're making our points. And, you know, Clark Clark has, has some things to work on just like anyone, but he may be as tough a kid as we have, uh, up front, and 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 he he leads by that standpoint too. If I left him in every play of uh, of uh, you know practice and never took him out, he he wouldn't even say anything. He'd just keep going, and I'm just really excited about uh, working with him. He has a younger brother, Campbell. How has Campbell looked so far? Campbell's uh, super versatile. Can play really any position on the front, which uh, you know is really helpful for me. Sometimes it's a it's a curse for a player because he's got to go here, got to go there. But sometimes you need that. But he is probably uh, from day one, maybe made the most strides. And he's, uh, he's, I'm really excited about him. So as we get closer to game time and different things, um, he will, he will focus more on where he's going to play and what his role will be. And he'll be even better, but he's another one. I mean, this must run in the family, the Barrington family. These guys love to play. They're focused on football. When they're out there, they're thinking of nothing else, and they're tough, and they go hard. So, uh, uh, really, a lot of shares a lot of the traits of his brother. But really, really happy with with how he's progressed. Wanted to ask about a pair of tackles, Harris Lachance, as well as Blake Freeland. I think most people envision they'll be left and right tackles when you take the field against. Excuse me, when you take the field against Arizona, what have they shown you so far in camp? You know, collectively, they've just been so consistent. They're just so trustworthy. You really don't worry, you know, about anything, uh, whether it's assignments or, or things breaking down because they're just so steady. Now, now individually, they're, 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 you know, different. Every kid's a different kid, but they, they've got different ways that they go about their business and different things. But, yeah, they both had great camps. They've both been steady. Um, they're both, uh, you know, what I noticed, too, and it's not just them, but they're both really good at this. He's these kids uh, are really good about helping the younger kids, um, you know, even immediately right after a play or something. I mean, I can't coach five guys at once. And I hear, I hear Harris, I hear Blake helping the young tackles, making little points, reinforcing coaching points. So they're like coaches on the field as well. But uh, I think, uh, you know, by the time we get, get going, I think both those guys will be uh, ready to go. They still got a few things they're working on, but they're, they're solid. They've been doing a great job as well. Obviously, there's a question mark behind them, I think, in most people's eyes about the depth of the tackle position. Are you feeling like you're going to have adequate depth at either left or right tackle, or you feel like there's enough guys behind them? 
we always worry about that and and uh, and everything. But you know, I've already talked about Campbell. He's played a lot of tackle mm-hmm. in camp, and he's very steady. Grades out very high out there. He can play out there. Braden Kime, who's got bigger and stronger, and he's another one you guys you know haven't really seen much yet, but he's been very solid. So both both Braden and Campbell as tackles have stepped up uh, and. Uh, and they've they've improved light years over spring. You know they had a great summer. They're strength coaches, and you can just see it in their game, and they're learning it better. So, so so that helps. And then we have some other guys that that could come from the inside and work their way out there. I mean, Clark easily could be uh, outside at tackle if we needed them to, and you know down the line depth and and Connor Pay as well. He's played everywhere uh, on the line. So, uh, but I'm really happy, obviously, with the two starters, and then. And then uh, Braden and Campbell uh, really give us uh, give us some guys that we have a lot of confidence in as well. How much of a rotation, how deep of a rotation do you like to have as an offensive line coach? Do you want to go 10 deep, 8 deep? What do you envision? Well, I, I've never been a big rotation guy unless it was dead even. And uh, it might be a little bit old school, but it's kind of comes down to two facts. One, most lines like the like to play together and because they know exactly what you know guys are doing and everyone does a little you know combo box different things you switch guys it's just a little bit different um so um so you know that's part of it but the other part of it you know just kind of makes sense to me you know if you rotate let's say you rotate out at a tackle position let's say that's what you do and and one of the tackles uh, has an issue or there's a seam or some new different wrinkle and you go over to the sidelines then the next time the other tackles in hadn't seen it live and he might get beat about, you know, the same way about it. And, and uh, I worry about that because linemen are, but most linemen they are really into it and, and football smart and everything. You beat them once with someone, something, you, you have a hard time beating them again. And, and that's the problem. But all that being said, if I have six guys that are game ready, seven guys that are game ready, eight guys, I will try to find spots. I don't, I've never randomly put guys in. Uh, just to just to randomly do it, there's got to kind of be a reason. So uh, that remains to be seen as far as how we'll do that. Who is in contention to that right guard spot currently? Well, um, we've had we've had three guys that have played a lot of reps there. Okay, obviously uh, Joe Tugafo is is played a lot. Of, you know, he's played a lot. He's played a center, but he's he's had a lot of reps at guard. Connor Pay uh, also is at a starter level, just like Joe, uh, at that right guard position. We haven't settled there. And, and the other one I mentioned, Campbell Barrington's put himself front and center, uh, to be right with those guys, uh, with his play the last week, week and a half. So, um, so that's, that, those are the guys that have been repping with the ones, you know, and again, we're kind of in mixing and matching mode and on some things, but, uh, you know, any of those three, uh, could be in there and I'd feel comfortable. Two more questions for you here, Coach. Uh, first one is, if I'm not mistaken, you spent the last uh, season out of football, not coaching. You weren't on the sideline. How good does it feel to be back on the sideline? Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, and and, and like I may have mentioned to you or, or whoever, I mean, I, I was able to turn last year into a positive, even though it wasn't. You know, the COVID year, you know, I couldn't get back into a situation when things froze and get on a staff of different things. And and for, for a minute, I, you know, I learned a real valuable life lesson. I probably pouting a little bit, different things. And once I figured out, you know what, it is what it is. I'm going to make sure I reconnect with my wife and kids, make sure I get a little workout in every day and study football and become a better coach. And I told my wife this a long time ago, 
I said uh, uh, my my best years coaching are, are ahead. Start with this year, and and I'm going to work. I've always worked hard and worked my tail off at what I do, but uh, the the chance to come to a program like this with kids like this and get back in with with coaches like this and a system like this. It's so fun to get out on the grass. And, and I never took football for granted before. I probably did as a player. Sometimes that would happen. And we talk about that with our kids. You know, you can't take it for granted. But I never took it for granted as a coach. But I can tell you now, it feels so awesome to be with the program and out here working for sure. And last thing for me, Coach, is there a guy that we may not have mentioned in our conversation today that's standing out? You've brought up Campbell Barrington a lot, so I think there's going to be a lot of fans who are excited to see him out there on the field. But is there going to be another player or two in this offensive line group that you feel like is standing out? Yeah, absolutely. Seth Willis has come a long way, and I'm playing. He played tackle and guard in the spring, but he's another one that has slid inside the guard. He's a tough guy, and he can move well, and and he hasn't played a bunch, but he's he's one that has also had a real positive fall camp, and uh, you know, and I think that uh, that he's uh, he's he's got a real bright future, and he's he's put himself in in a position to be uh, uh, you know to really have a, a, a put a, put himself in a position to have a nice year when he's called upon, whenever that is. Uh, so that's good. And uh, Tyson Lewis coming off an injury has been has been solid at the garden center and, and I'm glad to have him because I didn't have him at all in the spring. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, we've got a couple newcomers uh, from the JC ranks with, that, that are, you know, they've got work to do and got to learn the system better and all that stuff, but are really good as Tyler Little and Cade Parrish who, who have, uh, you know, again, they're older kids that are coming in and, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're swimming at times on some things, but they also, they just commit themselves to getting better every day. They'll, they'll have a chance to build into the depth as we go. So, and there's some other kids too that may surface, but those are probably the ones right now that, that uh, along with, uh, you know, JT Gentry has taken a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of reps, uh, you know, inside and can help us on some things. So he's done a great job as well. Well, Coach, that's great to hear. Appreciate you taking some time to join us once again. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road as the season progresses, all right? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Have a good day. There you go. BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk. So there's a name to pay attention to, Campbell Barrington. Clark obviously has been a standout for BYU's offensive line for the better part of two years. Campbell apparently the next in line. They could be a big name to break out this season. So keep an eye on that. Uh, while that interview was playing... We get to enjoy something absolutely incredible. And the name of this truck that's out here, by the way, and we, by the way, we're outside uh, on the plaza of Vivint Smart Home Arena. It's called the Good Start Truck, and it's a taco truck, and they brought some tacos by for us to give it a shot. Uh, they actually have what they call their Jobs at Work Program. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing young parents and youth with a pathway out of poverty and into sustainable employment. Uh, they feature tutoring, employment assistance, work permits, credit makeup, job skills training. Stop me if, if I'm going too too long here. Employment opportunity, resume assistance, incentive program, even entrepreneurial skills. This is actually a really, really cool thing they're doing. It is really cool. Um, you know, I mean, when I first showed up here, I thought that was just a regular taco truck. Yeah. Um, they brought us some tacos while we were listening to that interview, which were incredible, yes. by the way. Like, we were both talking about we're both saw green sauce fans yeah and the green sauce that they had put on that was some of the best i've ever had yeah um if you are looking to support the youth how can you get involved uh it's simple give them a call 
to cater your event, they're providing hands-on work experience for local youth. Mm -hmm. uh, their number is 801-631-1278. Again, that's 801-631-1278. You can also follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so definitely like reach out. This is a great, great program, great opportunities, and they make great tacos as well. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, like get involved, help people out, you know, throw some money their way to, to help them with this because this is awesome. Yeah, they're doing some really cool stuff. It's a father, Fathers and Families Coalition of Utah putting that on. So come support them. Come get some jazz. They're up to 75% off here at the Utah Jazz Summer Sale that's ongoing out here on the plaza. Love to see you guys. We'll be here until 2 o'clock, but it's just absolutely incredible. Those tacos, man. I Oh, I'm going back. I'm going more. more. No doubt about that. So big thank you to them for showing up here, and obviously the Utah Jazz. Uh, people still milling around, getting gear. There's still plenty of gear, though, if you guys are looking for discount Jazz gear. It's a great opportunity to come down and get up to 75% off. All right, come up on the other side. Get to five minutes of. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. It is time for five minutes of where we hit some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to touch on today. And our kind of our, our, our anchor for this, I guess we'll call it our anchor part of, of this is called Saki. So fire it up for us, Eric. Kovacic, lovely ball. Plenty of space here for Reese James. Black stays down to Gargan. here from Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr. And oh, my goodness me, look what he's done. Moves it along the boards, 13.47 left to go in period one. Charlie Coyle is given a wild, a one-nothing lead. Nathan McKinnon with a shot, he scores! The beat goes on for Nathan McKinnon. We're tied. It's the Kure, not a conventional one-two, but he's managed to find Gray. That is Saki. That was a great call to come in on. I like that. Yeah. Well done, Eric. Uh, so, yeah, so usually what is Saki is we combine soccer and hockey, two uh, sports of interest to both Lundy and I. Uh, Lundy's more of our hockey expert. I happen to have more of a keen interest in soccer, so we combine the two. But, honestly, hockey, and I, I try to pay attention more, there's really nothing going on. They're just waiting for their season to start. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, like, free agent signings here and there, but, like, there's nothing really earth-shattering going on. And so, you know, we'll kind of – We'll forego the, the hockey portion yeah. of Saki right now and get straight into soccer. Yeah, some breaking news yesterday uh, during my show with DJ and PK and uh, news coming out from Brian Dunseth, of course, RSL analyst, does a lot of stuff on SiriusXM covering Major League Soccer. He announced and revealed on Twitter that Freddie Juarez and Real Salt Lake had parted ways and it was Freddie Juarez's decision to do so. 
Uh, so he's no longer the head coach for Real Salt Lake. Reports emerged later in the morning that he is reportedly going to be an assistant coach with the Seattle Sounders, uh, working with Garth Loggerway as well as Craig Weibel, both former RSL employees, front office types. Very interesting move, but it now uh, is going to make Pablo Mastroeni, a former uh, United States men's national team star and an icon for, funny enough, the Colorado Rapids, is going to be the interim coach. Uh, funny enough, and I was on the call yesterday with Elliot Fall, RSL's uh, GM. I asked him the question, like, so is this interim tag going to last the entire season? And he said he couldn't even guarantee that. He said, we're going to start a search immediately for our permanent replacement. I'm as stunned as anybody on this, considering there is not an owner for Real Salt Lake still. They are still being run by the league. But apparently Freddie Wars saw writing on the wall and decided, you know what, I'm out. See ya. So, so very, very interesting. Eric, I know that, of course, you have a keen interest in Real Salt Lake. Where do you stand in all of this? I just worry about the general direction of the club. Well, I don't think you're alone in that. I, <laughs> I think that it's impossible for this to go well because – who in their right mind would want to take this job right now? It's essentially rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, there, there is no feasible direction for the club, and there hasn't been for even when Deloy Hansen was, was there for the end of his tenure. The roster really hasn't changed for about three straight years aside from one or two kind of minor signings they make every year. They're just kind of running it back the same year after year after year and I listened to that interview yesterday and there were some great points made that you know RSL hasn't had a stable head coach since Jason Christ left in 2013 they've point. had four coaches in seven years there is absolutely zero stability within the franchise and the point was made by DJ that you know Deloy Hansen didn't want to spend money to hire a coach well now when you can spend money you can't also really because there's still no ownership group and no direction because who's to say they don't get bought in six months and then that owner just fires the coach again. Uh, that, all valid points, Eric, honestly. I mean, all valid I, I just don't, I just frankly don't understand the move. Like, I get, if it is, it sounds like it's mainly Freddie Juarez initiated like he wanted he realized on the wall he he, he realized that he wasn't going to be extended yeah but to me why not just keep Pablo Mastroni for as long as you need to because don't go out and spend a lot of money on a head coach don't go get a top candidate because who knows if the new ownership group wants to keep that top candidate I don't know, Jake. I, I texted you about this. It's just wildly frustrating as someone who follows the team. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think the fan base generally feels this. Like, what is wrong with Real Salt Lake? Like, why why hasn't anyone shown interest in buying this club? Oh, I it, can tell it, you that, that it has been interest. a year straight since Deloy Hansen went on the radio and said those inflammatory comments and then was eventually forced out of the ownership position. There, it's been a the, year. Nothing's yeah, changed. I don't there know. Ha, there, ha, there is interest in this club. Trust me. The price point is what's the bigger issue. Yes. That, and that's where the concern is at. So 
there will be an ownership at some point. They have stated that Don Garber said he has every intention by the end of this season to have an ownership group in place. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't. If I had any information, I'd be happy to pass it along. But I do not know on that front. But simple fact of the matter is, I'm with you, Eric. That no right mind and no coach in their right mind right now is going to sign on and be like, I want a four-year deal for Real Salt Lake because, as you said, when the order comes in, they're going to be like, Who's this dude? Uh, I'm going with somebody else, and they, they might be, find themselves right out the door. So. Very interesting situation all the way around. Pablo Mastroeni does have head coaching experience. He did coach the Colorado Rapids before being unceremoniously dumped by the club that he called home as a player. He spoke to the media earlier today, and I had Eric uh, pull a clip here, just about him taking over the job and kind of what his expectations are as they move forward now with him as the interim manager. Yeah, you know, listen, I've been, we've been working with, uh, as a staff for the, you know, the past nine months and, um, you know, everything that, uh, that, that, that has happened prior to we, we've, we've done collectively. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've played a certain way. And, uh, I think with every passing game, we've tried to improve in the areas where we feel we're deficient. Um, and we continue to, to try to exploit teams in a way that we feel that, uh, you know, that, that we have advantages, against them so again it's 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 at, at at this point you know finding out a couple days ago and and now preparing for vancouver um it's really about mindset more than anything else and then uh and, and making sure that we're prepared mentally physically and obviously tactically we've like i said we've been playing a certain way um and, and getting better in, in little moments that uh, I think could uh, hopefully uh, continue to put us in the right trajectory to to be the type of team that we can be. Very interesting comments there. So, so we have a very certain style we play. Well, I don't expect him to come in and just completely revolutionize how RSL is going about their game plan. Like the roster has been built, as he mentioned, he's been there for nine months working with Freddie Juarez. He's been kind of the top assistant under Juarez. But I just look at this, and it's it's a bit of a rudderless ship. There's no doubt about it. They just don't have an owner that is is in place to really kind of, I think, stabilize this franchise. They've been very clear from Major League Soccer. They do not anticipate uh, having a. They don't anticipate having, uh, having to move the club because there's so much infrastructure here. They don't, they do not see that happening, but. There's just so much turmoil going on. And funny enough, this is a club that's still, by the way, in the playoffs run. They're they're sitting sixth in Major League Soccer. They're in the playoffs as it stands in the standings today. It's not a terrible roster. It's not. It's not. I, I, they I'm have, with you on that. They, they have talent. Demir Krylock was the captain of the MLS All-Star team. And by the way, congratulations to MLS All-Stars. The summer of the United States beating the crap out of Mexico in soccer continues because uh, Major League Soccer All-Stars beat Mexico, Liga MX All-Stars uh, 3-2 in penalty kicks. That was happening Wednesday night. Uh, so very interesting situation going on there at Real Salt Lake. They are back in action tomorrow night. They're headed to Vancouver. Uh, the Whitecaps, who were calling Salt Lake home for a time, they're back north of the border. So B- uh, RSL will head to BC Place tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Mountain Time. If you want to watch that on KMYU, the KSL TV app, or ESPN+. Plus. We also have some other soccer news considering what's happening in the transfer uh what do we call it? The transfer window. Por- window? Yeah, transfer window. There you go, Eric. Thank you for correcting me. I want to say transfer portal. I'm like, that's not right. That's college football. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Lundy, you paid attention to this. Cristiano Ronaldo uh, transcends soccer. He is just, mm-hmm. he's an icon, plain and simple. 
Well, he shocked a lot of people yesterday, and he's actually going back to a club he once called home, Manchester United. Yeah, I saw the the headlines and everything. You know, I got a, an alert on my phone. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, like, I know this is a big deal. Let me look a little bit more into this. And the best explanation that I saw for it, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but the best comparison, somebody said, this is like LeBron going back to Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really, he rose to prominence with Man U. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, big deal there. Um, I mean, as a, as a non-soccer sure. person, I know the name Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. I am very familiar. You know, I can see a picture of him and know who he is just by, you know, I mean, he doesn't even need to be wearing a kit. <laughs> nice, know, nicely done with the kit pole. Yeah, nice so done, dude. You know, Great try job. to speak the language. Um, but, you know, I can see him in, like, a shirt and tie, like, you know, on TV or something. It's, oh, yeah, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, I, you know, he is that kind of player where, you know, he he's just so recognizable that he transcends the sport. Yeah, he does. So, well, crazy I, to see him. Oh, go ahead, Eric. It, it is interesting, too, because there was some drama involved. Because earlier in the week, it was reported that Man City was the Correct. front runners to get him. And that's obviously Manchester United's bitter rival. So, yeah, well, Man City also struck out on Harry Kane. So yeah. I'm, I'm a happy Tottenham fan right now. But, it is, uh, I mean, the, the whole, I just want to say, the whole transfer period in Europe, people have called it perhaps one of the like most active ever and they're not wrong Lionel Messi moved to Paris Saint-Germain uh you have Kellyan Mbappe moving from PSG to Real Madrid at some point here in the near future Cristiano, reportedly let's be clear about that it's not done deal yet oh I saw something oh is it, is it I done? saw something more firm yeah later ah, er, okay. earlier this week uh Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United Jack Grealish went to Manchester City there's Romelu Lukaku returns to the Premier League, goes to Chelsea. So it, it's just been a – and the theme, I would say, of this whole thing is the rich just got richer. The top clubs in Europe will remain the top clubs, and that that's, you know, always the way the sport will be. But if you look at every single league right now, it really is the top clubs at, at the top and who should be considered the favorites, except – Syria, where I think it's wide open now that Ronaldo has moved on. So uh, it's just a re it was a really interesting kind of shakeup this uh, this yep. off season. In, in no doubt about that. By the way, how must how good must it feel to be Kylian Mbappe and know that you're worth 180 million euros? That converts to 218 million dollars in American dollars. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Be like, that's what I'm worth, guys. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, very interesting uh, times ahead, both here domestically as well as internationally in soccer. And, yeah, I, I kind of with you, Eric, though. The rich, they're always going to get richer. There's no doubt about that. They have the money. They're spending it, and that's what they're going to do. All right, coming up next, we will wrap up the show. I'm sure Eric's got something cooked up for us. A reminder for you guys that the Utah Jazz uh, summer sidewalk sale is ongoing here on the plaza at Vivint Arena. Love to see you guys stop by, pick up some jazz gear. A lot of people still milling around. Up to 75% off great chance to get some jazz gear and by the way i'm seeing nike stuff out there they, they, they this is not no name stuff this is the top line stuff this is like the this is the the, the gear that 
everyone is after. Yeah. Like this is this is the high quality stuff. This is the the really cool the the swag. I'm a, I'm a Nike snob, and I can guarantee you, I will be um, checking out what they've got. Yes. So, all right. So we'll ca- we'll wrap up the show next. You're listening to the Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. We talk Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show, wrapping things up here. And I'm going to get out of the way here because apparently we got something cooked up here between you two, Lundy and Eric. So go ahead, Lundy. All right, so this is something, you know, usually this final segment, Eric kind of takes a little shot at one of us. Uh-huh. Uh, this time it's, you know, we get to fire back a little bit. Um, Ooh. This is something that happened recently and has been, you may have heard this story a little bit. You know, it's kind of been floating around the studio a, a somewhat. Uh, Austin likes to tell it a good amount. Anyway, this was back in November-ish. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric was on his way in to take care of some Saturday stuff. Obviously, you know, the Saturday show was on hiatus at that point. Um, but it being November and a little bit colder, Eric was riding his bike into the studio. Uh, there was some some inclement weather. Okay. And some ice. So Eric s- slipped and hit his head pretty hard. Um, oh, I do recall this, yes. Okay. And so, like, you know, he had called me first uh, but I had recently been exposed to somebody who had tested positive to COVID. And so mm-hmm. I was in quarantine. Thankfully, I didn't have it. Uh, but I was unavailable. And so a very concussed Eric Jensen called one Austin Horton to ask for his help. Hey, Austin. Uh, this is Eric uh, from The Zone. Um, I just... Uh, wanted to double check that we are uh, going live today. I sort of uh, crashed a bit on my bike on the way in, and I'm a little bit concussed, I think. Uh, but I was unaware of it. Alex was in quarantine, so uh, I can probably fight through, but I was just wondering if we're, we're still going uh, live here. And um, who was producing the USU game? Because I was wondering if maybe I could get them to sell in for me, potentially. Um, but maybe I can fight through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Um, a ton. Uh, but, um, yeah, if you could just give me a call back, maybe I think Jay, Alex said Jay Cash is um, – producing so maybe i'll call him but if you could give me a call back that's great thanks bye so yeah that was that's that's eric with a concussion that thankfully he recovered from you know like sure don't of, like to uh crashed a bit on my bike on the way in and i'm a little bit concussed i think <laughs> like typically don't like to make light of something as serious as a concussion but sure just i mean you know, Austin waking up and hearing that message and being like, what is going like on? Maybe I can fight through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Um, really that's my favorite part. Right now. I, I think I can probably fight through it. I just can't stand. <laughs> like, you know, I just 
I'm just imagining Eric just kind of like laying there in the snow, not really like moving, just on the phone, no idea where he's at. Uh, well, Eric, the, the, the actual story is much more embarrassing. There was no ice involved. I simply was trying to get onto a tracks line, and I merged vertically, and my tire got caught. You know how the divot okay. goes yeah. for the track? Tire yeah. got caught in that, and I got sacked, basically. But it, you, it, it, you over your handlebars? No, no, no. I just okay. got, like, I, I, I call it a sack because I did. I got, like, driven into my collarbone. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Well, we're very glad that you recovered, Eric. That's why we can make fun of it. I just can't really stand, stand up right, right now. now. <laughs> um, that's tough. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I remember vaguely getting that phone call because I believe that he woke me up to do it, and I was like, oh, it what? I, I got a concussion. I was like, oh, well, I can't, I, you know, wish I could help you out, but I'm kind of quarantined and not allowed to. But, so yeah, Eric, we're glad that you recovered, and we're going to laugh at your expense probably, you know, and hope that you don't have CTE as a result. Yeah, how has this voicemail been sitting on the shelf for so long and not been in use? That's my question. Well, I frankly was concussed, so <laughs> I... Obviously. <laughs> I, I, I sort of kind of crashed my bike. I, I, I don't stuff. really know. But maybe I should type through it. I just can't really stand up right now. Um, <laughs> that's how. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I sort of forgot it existed. I, I, I wow. really didn't know it existed, to be okay. completely honest with you. Fair enough. All right. So, oh, it's good to have Eric take a shot once in a while, yeah. I suppose. And the only yep. reason we're taking the shot, as we said, is because he's fully recovered from said injury. Yes. It, it, you know, he was – we put him in concussion protocol for a mm -hmm. few weeks, and then he was able to, you know, get back into the rotation. So, All right. Well, that is going to do it uh, for all of us here on the Saturday show. Just a quick reminder once again for you guys to stop by the Utah Jazz Summer Sidewalk sellout here up to 75% off jazz gear. Also make sure to stop by and check out the taco truck they got here supporting a really, really cool cause. It's a 501c3, uh, and they are doing great things. By the way, the tacos are to die for. So stop by and check all of that out. And until next week, we'll be, of course, returning for the Saturday show. But in the meantime, make sure to check out DJ and PK, Hands and Scotty, as well as the big show throughout the week from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day here on The Zone. Until then, this has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. See you.